0: And of course, we want to encourage you to come see us in person. We are located at 6110 Kingsport Highway in Johnson City, Tennessee. As always, we hope you enjoy today's message.
1: These teachings in the Sermon on the Mount are very complex, but at the same time, very straightforward and very serious. And what we see in church is people not practicing this. I want to ask you a question, and uh, I'd like you to raise your hand. Do you believe that God takes sin serious? Raise your hand if you believe that. Okay. Most of you in here raised your hand. If you don't, that's okay. But he does. He takes sin serious. Now, do you also believe, raise your hand with this, if sin has the ability to hold a church back? Raise your hand. Okay. Okay. So I think that most of us are in agreement that God does take sin serious and that sin does hold the church back. Uh, I studied Eastern religions in in college, and I have to share with you my favorite Buddhist uh, parable. It's called Two Monks and a Woman, and it goes like this. A young monk and an older monk are walking, and by the way, they almost all start that way. Okay, so there's an older monk and there is a younger monk that are walking, and they come across this beautiful woman who is wanting to cross the river, but the current is very strong and she doesn't want to get her dress wet. All right, so the older monk, without even thinking, goes over and he picks the woman up, he carries her across the river, you know, just a couple feet, carries her across the river, sits her down and then goes about his way. So the older monk and the younger monk, they continue to walk, but this is driving the younger monk crazy because he knows that they're not supposed to have any attention given to women whatsoever, not supposed to look at women, not supposed to think about women, especially not supposed to touch women or pick women up. And it's driving him crazy, and they continue to walk, and they stop, and he says, I've just got to tell you something. And the older monk says, yes, you, you can see it. I mean, you can just perfectly see this. And he says, yes. And he said, I'm really bothered because you know that we're not supposed to have any contact with women. We're not supposed to touch them, look at them, anything like that. And the older monk in his wisdom, this is also part of all of these parables. He says, I simply picked her up, carried her across and put her down. You've been carrying her ever since. Pretty good. I used to talk, I used to tell that story at bars all the time when I was younger. All right. People thought it was really cool. All right. So we're going into the fourth part of the Sermon on the Mount. We've discussed some difficult and controversial topics, and today is no different. The first is sex and lust. All right. And let me know, let me let you know right now that if there are any kids, I'm not going to say anything graphic or descriptive but I would call this more of a PG-13 message. So I just want to let you know that. So the first is is sex and lust, and they are controversial because we live in a hyper-sexual society. The second is divorce, and it's controversial because in 2020, very hard year for marriages with COVID, almost 50% of marriages Ended in divorce. Now, there have been times in the United States when that number has been slightly over, right around 51-52%, meaning that if you get married, it's just as likely, if in some cases not more likely, that you're going to get a divorce, then you're actually going to stay married. All right? So I'd love to have more time to talk about these topics, just like everything else I've said with the Sermon on the Mount, specifically the Beatitudes. I'd love to have more time to talk about this, but if you have questions because you've been through a a difficult divorce and you're still carrying that shame, if you're a young single guy that struggles with pornography or a woman that struggles, because women have a lot of these same struggles that men have as well, I think sometimes we discount that and don't take that as serious as we should but one of the last statistics that I read that was over 6 around 64% of evangelical men Evangelical men, not men, struggle with pornography. So if we were to look at the people that are in this room right now, and I hope that Believer's Church is an outlier in this situation, but that would mean that over half of the men or half of the men in our churches and entire body, some guys that are not here, struggle secretly with pornography. So lust and divorce, uh, some of you have been there, you're struggling with it right now. Some of you have been through a divorce. You're thinking, oh my goodness, I can't believe he's talking about this today. Uh, My desire is to help you and to show you some things. And also, like I said, to open up conversation. If these are some things that you would like to talk to me, maybe we'll do a series on family next year or in the future. But today we're not quite doing this topic justice, but there are some important things that we want to share. Matthew chapter five. So we're just trucking right along. Matthew chapter five, and we're going to look at verses 27 through 32. Okay, Matthew chapter five, and we're going to look at verses 27 through 32. All right, the second and the third antithetical statements of six that Jesus gives in the Sermon on the Mount. So this is what it says, starting in verse 27. You have heard it said, don't commit adultery. But I say to you that every man who looks at a woman lustfully has already committed adultery in his heart. That is really, really tough teaching. And if your right eye uh, causes you to fall into sin, tear it out and throw it away. That might even be just a little bit tougher. It is better that you lose a part of your body than your whole body being thrown into hell. And if your right hand causes you to sin, chop it off and throw it away. It is better that you lose a part of your body than for your whole body to go into hell. Now we step into divorce. It was said, and again, this is just Jesus quoting the Torah, whoever divorces his wife must give her a divorce certificate. But I say to you, this is Jesus not only um, not abolishing the law, but again, as we saw earlier in the Sermon on the Mount, fulfilling the law, But I say to you that whoever divorces his wife except for sexual unfaithfulness or adultery forces her to commit adultery. And whoever marries a divorced woman commits adultery. All right, so there is a lot that is going on here. Jesus is saying, you've heard it said before, because he is once again quoting the Torah. These particular passages on lust, Sexuality and divorce come from Exodus and Deuteronomy. And if you did open up your Bible, you probably have footnotes that show you where those came from. These teachings are difficult for these reasons. Number one, we live in what we could refer to as a hookup culture. All right, this hookup culture has really even kind of made its way into the church. So the viewpoint, even if you're a pretty good person and you're not looking for a one-night stand or something like that, and you're a pretty good person, the general belief is that if intimacy, if sex is consensual and both people agree, or, or even more so, if both people are in a, if, if you're in a relationship with this person, that there is nothing wrong with sex outside of the covenant of marriage. And you may say, well, of course that's Okay. And the reason that you probably believe that's okay and that's normal and it's been so localized is because if you watch TV, if you stream something on Netflix or Hulu or Prime or or, or or Sling, whatever it is that you might be watching, social media, every kind of outlet that we have promotes this as completely normal behavior. But let's suppose that you fall into a category of people in which you say, okay, I don't do that because I am a Christian, or I don't do that because um, it is wrong, um, I, I believe, but surely there's nothing wrong with thinking about it. I mean, I'm not going out doing these things. I'm not treating women bad. I'm not treating men bad. But if I happen to notice something, surely there's nothing wrong with thinking about it. I have a Catholic friend, and he used to say this, and, and this really, really changed because I was, I was uh, younger in my return to Christ at this time, but he used to always say this, I don't order, and he would say that his wife knows this, I don't order off the menu, but she knows that I look at the menu. Now, I wonder how you feel about that if you're, if you're married. Or if you're in a strong relationship, meaning if I, if I did need to translate that for you, I'm not going to cheat. I'm going to be faithful to you. But the man's mind wanders, a woman's mind wanders, it goes where it goes. And that's just kind of the way that it works. And it's almost like he was patting himself on the back, but husband of the year, you know, patting himself on the back for his, his wonderful uh, behavior. But this is the way that a lot of people view this and we're going to return to that. We also live in a culture where divorce is encouraged on the basis of what we call irreconcilable differences. And this has to do with the with the no-fault laws of the 1970s when it did become more difficult, uh, I'm sorry, easier uh, to get a divorce there were only 5 conditions with fault laws before that that you could actually get a divorce otherwise the judge told you you need to work on your marriage no fault divorce law, uh, divorce laws if you don't like the way she squeezes the toothpaste you can get a divorce if the other person snores you can get a divorce some of you in here know it's much easier to get a divorce today than it was in the 40s, 50s, 60s, and times prior to that. And I don't want to get into the benefits or the problems with fault, uh, fault and no-fault divorce, but the point is that divorce is looked at in a very casual way. We, we, again, I said we, almost 50% of marriages end in divorce, and that includes, because this statistic can be skewed, we need to understand this, 41% of first marriages. So here's the conclusion that we've come to, and this is the way that our society operates. And there's no doubt that this is infiltrated into the church, okay? So this is, this is where most people are. Casual sex or sex outside of marriage and sexual thoughts for some people, including pornography, is just the baseline for normal behavior, all right that's that's just the way the world works. All right that's normal behavior. Divorce as a probable option for marriage is the baseline for normal behavior. Now, some of you in here right now no doubt and even more people listening online and that will listen to this message later, please understand this. I am a person of grace and the grace of god has greatly extended to me so if you're in here right now and you've been divorced or you've been divorced twice or you've been divorced 5 times what i'm talking about today is not to bring any shame to you that you've that any more than you've already placed on yourself so i want you to understand that it's really really important to me That you know that. If you're a person in here that has cheated before and made some really bad mistakes in the past, if you have sought forgiveness, you are forgiven and it doesn't matter what other people think. So I want you to understand that I'm extending that grace. If you're in here right now and you know that the habits that you have in your mind and the things that you do whenever you're alone are against what we're talking about here, it is not my desire to bring more shame to your situation because this is the way that I look at this day right now. And this is the way that I look at your situation right now. Take a deep breath. Have a repentant heart and let's start over today. Let's start over today and let's make today completely new because Jesus, as Jesus is talking on this hillside to these disciples, he is telling them about a fresh start. He is expressing and discussing the grace of God. So let's get into these topics just a little bit more as important as they are. First is this lust, much like what we're going to see with money in a few weeks. And I'm not going to tell you what week that'll be because nobody will come. Lust, much like what we see with money, is an issue of the heart. Okay? It's not just an issue with other areas, it's an issue. Of the heart. And this is what Jesus says. You have heard it said, don't commit adultery. Okay, that's what we see in the law, that's what we see in the Torah. But I say to you that every man that looks at a woman lustfully has already committed adultery in his, or for good measure, her heart. So before you cut your eyes out, or before you cut your hand off, let me explain the situation in this way. There will always be good-looking people in this world. All right? At, at, least, at least I hope there are. There will always be good-looking, attractive things that you're going to notice in this world. That is the world that we live in. They will always have the ability to get your attention. But the question is this: where does your mind travel and with what frequency? Where does your mind travel in these situations and with what frequency? Billy Graham used to have this saying that I'll never forget: it's not the first look that gets a person. It's what? The second look. It's the second look. It's not that's a pretty woman. It's, hmm. And sometimes that, hmm, lasts a pretty good period of time. It's the second look that builds something within that carries our thoughts into a deeper and more distracted place. I was sharing something with our men's group, which our men's group is going absolutely wonderful. We meet on Saturday mornings. We've had some people get real, talk about some real things. I have enjoyed it so, so much. But I was sharing with them recently that I made a commitment pretty early in my marriage. And this was a commitment that I had never thought about, mentioning my friend, that I had mentioned my Catholic friend, and I'll bet a lot of the men in here and that, are, that are listening online had never thought about as well. Whenever he made this comment about, I'm going to um, uh, when I, uh, not order off the menu, uh, but I'm still going to look at the menu, okay? I have never struggled with cheating, um, even in my, my worst days, okay? But as far as lust and where my mind goes and some of the mistakes that I've made, th- some of those mistakes I confess to you have been there. But Beth and I were married. And I didn't feel, even though anything can happen, I didn't feel that I was ever physically going to betray her. But I made the decision in my heart early in our marriage that I did not want to just offer and give my body, but to the best of my ability through prayer and wrestling with it every single day that I was going to give her my mind as well. And, and she knows this. We have talked about this over and over and over again, that I make every single effort, every single day, walking around Johnson City, Elizabethan, all these other places, all of these people that I see, that it's not enough for me to offer, because I believe this is what Jesus is talking about here, to not simply offer up my body, but also to offer my thoughts. Let me say this, and this is something else that I've shared with her many times. There are beautiful women in this world. And I think that we can all admit that. But God gave me that. And I I tell her that all the time. I can't do better for myself than what God gave me. Because we get into this thing over time in marriage of comparison. And if you're single, I've said to many single men that I believe the most difficult thing in the world, and I think I can only say this because I'm a man, meaning I don't know a woman's experience, but one of the most difficult things in this world is to be a Christian single man. Because it is incredibly, incredibly difficult with the temptation that is out there. So when Jesus says, if your eye offends you, tear it out, what he is saying is tear out the thought. Deal with it. That thought that takes root. Whenever you notice that woman at work, you know you're leaving your family at home, but I'm going to see her today. Whenever we go out here, I know that I'm going to see him today. And it's just up here. It doesn't matter. Jesus is saying, tear it out. It is going to destroy you. And every person in here knows people in their life that have been destroyed. Marriages that have been destroyed. By being unwilling to deal with the thoughts, the corrupt thoughts that cross our mind. And listen, you can only accomplish this in two ways because I know how strong the male mind works. Prayer and accountability. That's it. You go to God and you talk to him. God, I know that these patterns of thought are sin. And if it's pornography, you better grab another man in this church And you better tell or another woman in this church, if you're a woman that struggles with these issues, and say, I have this issue, I need accountability. Because when that computer or that phone or whatever device it is that you may use is there, there's no stopping you. It's just too easy. Also in this sermon, Jesus also redefines the conditions for divorce. He goes on right after this and he talks about divorce. And this is what Jesus says about divorce. It was said, Exodus and Deuteronomy, whoever divorces his wife must give her a divorce certificate. This is an ancient Middle Eastern practice must give her a divorce certificate. But I say to you, whoever divorces his wife, except for a sexual unfaithfulness, forces her to commit adultery, and whoever marries a divorced woman commits adultery. This divorce certificate is referring again to the conditions of the Torah. So I want to quickly share with you three Christian perspectives, and you inevitably fall into one of these, but there are really three theological perspectives as it pertains to divorce and with each one of these perspectives the scholars the christians behind these feel as if they have legitimate reason for feeling the way that they do the first is this if you have been divorced no remarriage after divorce under any circumstances okay if you've been divorced no remarriage period. Well, it wasn't my fault. I didn't do the cheating. I didn't do the abusing. I didn't do this. I didn't do that. No no remarriage under any circumstances. The second one is this. Remarriage, only permissible if it meets the biblical mandate for divorce, which is adultery, which we saw here, and desertion, okay? Or a person just disappears out of the picture, and I'll explain a little bit more of that in a second. Here's the third. Remarriage is permissible under any circumstances if one seeks forgiveness, repentance, and renewal from the past. All right? I'm going to say those one more time real quick. No, mar- no remarriage after a divorce under any circumstances. Remarriage is only permissible if it meets the biblical mandate for divorce, adultery, or desertion. Number three, remarriage is permissible under any circumstances if the person that is going forward as a believer has uh, sought forgiveness and renewal from the past, all right? You may not understand some of this. It may seem old school. It may seem out of touch. It may seem too traditional, but let me make this very clear. There are a lot of things that we could talk about within the walk of faith that would be more of a, a side note, Okay, for example, uh, someone in, in in our men's group mentioned smoking, all right? Well, some individuals may feel very convicted about that, and other individuals may not feel specific conviction about that. There are some differences, but let me explain this and say this. Marriage and sexuality are foundational pieces of our faith. They are not side notes they're not somewhere way over here or way over here when we talk about the faith within the New Testament it is often with a reference of Christ and the bride the groom and the bride marriage and the sanctity of marriage is written all over scripture so marriage sexuality some of these things we we decide to push to the side these are foundational issues to our faith. So I want to sum everything up that I've talked about today with a synopsis of where Jesus stands with these issues. And I'll also share, you guys have been real quiet, and I'll also share some of my own thoughts on how I see the scripture in some of these ways. I want to say this first. Singleness, for those of you that are listening today, for those of you that are here today, singleness in itself is sacred and important. All right, singleness in itself. Some people feel called toward being single. And I think that's wonderful. Look at the life of Jesus. Look at the life of Paul. There is a decision to remain single. If you look within Catholicism, as well as some other branches of Christianity, a priest, a nun, many other people uh, that commit themselves to monastic life, they make the decision to be single because they are committing themselves completely to the church. But you want to know something? You don't have to be a monk. You don't have to be a priest. You don't have to be a nun. You don't have to be an evangelist. Some individuals just make the decision, and I believe personally that that commitment is like a top-shelf commitment that some people make that God honors, and I think it's absolutely wonderful. I don't know that any of you feel called toward that. But if you do, you're like, I'm not single by choice, Matt. But if that's the case and you are, God honors that. And I want to make that very, very clear. It's not something that you should be ashamed of. Well, I'm not married. I don't have the perfect Christian spouse. I don't have these things. Okay? Remaining single is often healthy and a wonderful way to fulfill the mission of Jesus. All right? Number two is this. Relationships are to be, and I should have said more specifically marriages, monogamous and exclusive. This is a biblical teaching that we see, even though we see polygamy in the Old Testament or or a number of spouses, which is something that some of you probably have some questions about. Jesus comes to fulfill the law, all right? So if you walk around with a bunch of women and just say, hey, I'm just living like Samson, not going to work here, all right? There is a way that this is supposed to be done. Exclusive, monogamous is what marriage is supposed to look like. And I don't care how controversial that may be in today's society. Number three, marriage and sexual intimacy are sacred, interwoven, go-together, and can not be understood separately. You want to destroy a relationship that you're in if you're a believer and the other person says that they are a believer? You want to to cause a lot of problems? You want to make the first few years of your marriage much more difficult than they have to be? Take this route and see what happens. Take this route and see what happens. You know, for those of you that are in here right now and you did make the commitment, and I know that this is a complete unknown almost in society today, but did make that commitment, praise Jesus. That is incredible. And so unspoken of in society today. So marriage and sexual intimacy Are they're they're not just it's not just a physical act. It's a sacred thing. They go together and they cannot be understood separately. Now, ladies, guys, some of you need to hear this today. Lust, I don't care how outdated this is, is destructive, and will lead to ruin if it's not confessed and dealt with. Something else that I've shared with our men's group, and please understand, I'm including women in this as well. but something that I've shared with our men's group is that I believe as far as male leadership and as far as possible unconfessed sin within some of the men in our church, okay, and I'm not talking specifically about anybody, are some of the types of things that could be holding us back. Whenever you have a man who comes forward, who has kids, maybe a spouse, and they say, this has been a struggle for me, pornography has been a struggle for me, this has been a struggle for me, that's been a struggle for me, and they come forward and they confess, it's like the Holy Spirit descends on a place like you've never seen before. It's like what I posted recently about a person that's sober after 30 days. When, when women and men come forward and they confess to someone that that's a sin, and they tell you that they have to be held accountable. And I'll tell you sometime, and I'm just going to be very frank with you right here. Sometimes our worship is held back and our altar is held back because some of you are clutching so tightly to your sin that you can't even wait to get out the door. You can't even wait to get out of this place so that, so that you won't be able to hear me for at least another week. And the Spirit is dealing with you right now. Please understand I'm not just talking to men. You've got to turn this thing over. That you've got to make this change. Because it is absolutely destructive. And if you're in a situation where you're married, take into consideration what I said earlier. God gave you that man. God gave you that woman. Don't just honor that person with your body. Start honoring that person with your mind as well. And then the last thing that I'll mention here is that divorce is only biblically permissible under the conditions of adultery and desertion. This is my belief. Now, I want to expound on this belief a little bit uh, to say something that you may agree with or you may disagree with. And quite frankly, I completely understand your position regardless. Okay? We all know what cheating is. We all know what adultery or fornication, we know what that is. Okay? But let's go to this second one for just a second because we don't talk about it very much and that's desertion. So desertion is a situation that we rarely see today but my grandmother had a, had a situation like this with her first husband. Um, he, he just left. He just kept leaving like he would leave and disappear. And listen, this is before cell phones and Facebook. You can track anybody down today. You couldn't track people down in the, in the 60s and in the 50s. Somebody disappears, they disappear. You don't know where they are. So typically that's what we're, talking, we're thinking about is that a person, and we're looking at the ancient world here, just, just leaves. Okay, but a lot of scholars are taking this position, and I completely agree. And maybe this will give some of you peace. What about emotional desertion? Not physical desertion. What about a situation when you're married and the other person completely checks out? And the other person puts forth no effort whatsoever In the marriage, I want to challenge you guys with a thought this morning. If a woman and a child are being abused physically in a marriage, do they have a biblical obligation to stay in that marriage? If a person has made the decision that they are going to choose drugs or alcohol over their family to the the detriment of the psychological health of those people, Is that really grace? So I think there are also situations that fall under desertion that doesn't just mean Matt Smith's going to skip town, leave his family and his kids, and therefore Beth has a justification to get a divorce. I believe you can check out of your marriage completely without ever leaving the house. And that's something that I want to challenge you guys to think about. But as it pertains to divorce... We have to work to the best of our ability, as some of you have in this room right now, to make your marriage work. I was talking to to someone last night at our Neighborhood Nights event. Marriage is hard. It is very, very, very hard. Now, if you have one person that's a doormat, maybe it's not that hard. But if you've got two people that have their own wants and desires as they try to go forward, It takes a lot of work, but if you submit to your spouse and your spouse mutually submits to you, you have the biblical definition of marriage and what it's supposed to look like. And I'm going to tell you something. It's beautiful. It's the most amazing thing in this world. So irreconcilable differences, I know it's against culture, but I don't buy it you make it work, you work hard at it, you give everything that you have. But you have a situation in which there's adultery, you have a situation in which somebody completely checks out, somebody leaves, it's a little bit different. So the question is, as we see the dynamics and the power of this teaching, where are you today? Where are you in your mind? Where are you in your marriage? Where are you in your relationship with your boyfriend or your girlfriend? Where are you today? With all heads bowed and all eyes closed, we will uh, open up this altar for anyone uh, who needs it. And I'm going to give you guys a couple things, a few things to think about if you decide that you need to come forward and pray. First, for any reason at all in your life that you need to come forward because you're burdened and you're hurting, please come forward and lift that up to Jesus today. But maybe you're in a relationship, maybe a marriage, and it's struggling. And you want to know something? It happens to all of us. Why don't you grab your spouse by the hand? And why don't you come up here and pray? If you're in here today and you're struggling with pornography, I want to mention this and and, uh, mention this also as a a resource for you guys. I meant to mention it earlier. Covenant Eyes is a wonderful Christian resource uh, that have helped many men and women with pornography. But if you're struggling with your mind or you're struggling with, with pornography or you're struggling with certain kinds of thoughts, if you're in a relationship right now that is not sexually pure, if you're in a situation in which you need to bring something up, and, and let, me, let me offer this too. If you're still hurting because of a divorce that was a year ago or 30 years ago, I want to give you the opportunity to also come up here this morning and just turn things over to God. The culture of a church changes when we are real and we turn everything over. I'm going to pray and then I ask you to come forward as the Spirit leads. Father, we come to you this morning and and first I just want to confess that I am such an imperfect person. And God, that I've been through so many, uh, not just with what we're talking about today, but so many struggles uh, mentally, God, to, to try to advance my position or, or selfish uh, financial decisions. And God struggles struggles with my mind as it pertains to the opposite sex. And Father, I come to you um, not only as a, a husband and a dad, but also as a friend to the people in this church that may be struggling with some of the same kinds of things, which are just quite frankly, human struggles. Father, if there's anyone that needs to come forward just to bring a burden because of a bad day at work, because of something unexpected financially, because of depression or anxiety, because of something going on with a family member, Father, I pray that you release your spirit upon us now. In Jesus' name, amen.
0: We want to thank you again for listening to the Believer's Church Podcast. Make sure you join us next week as we continue in this series. Also, we'd love a chance to connect with you. Make sure you visit believerschurchjc.com and enjoy the rest of your week.